you have your Bibles tonight, I invite your attention to the Word of the Lord. I don't come with anything complex tonight. I found out a long time ago I'm not here to tell God how to do it. I'm just to get with his program. And uh, he already knows what needs to happen tonight. And so if you'll go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10, and uh, familiar reading to most of us, verse 14. It's good to see Sister Shelley and our mother here tonight. We appreciate her. Known her for many years, her and her family. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Don't you thank God every day for a preacher? Wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a preacher. I said you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. I want you to notice this question that is posed. It is actually a quote of the prophet Isaiah. It says, Lord, who hath believed our report? Who hath believed our report? I just want to lift that Question, who hath believed our report? And, and preach about that a little bit tonight. How many is going to follow me as I follow the Lord tonight? Let's lift up our hands and our voices. Pray for the power of the Holy Ghost, the liberty of the Spirit. God, have your way in this house. Speak to us in this place. Let your perfect will be accomplished here in this place tonight. We thank you for it. Somebody give him a wave offering all across this building. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We're living in an age when our faith is being challenged more now than I ever remember in my entire life. And if you've been living for God for any period of time, you can certainly attest to that. We're living in a time when faith is under attack. And I find myself constantly in our local congregation teaching and preaching about the importance of protecting our faith. I realize that we're all given a measure of faith by the Lord. But faith is something that if it's going to grow and if it's going to abound in our life, it's something that we have to guard. It's something that we have to protect and that we have to defend against the relentless attacks of the enemy. Because as you know, faith is foundational to our relationship with God. The Bible clearly tells us without faith, it is impossible Somebody say impossible. It is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Several years ago, I was preaching revival for Brother uh, Crawford Coon in Gina, Louisiana. And that's a small community outside of Alexandria, and some of you may know where it is. But uh, there was an old gentleman in his church that had never in his life purchased a new automobile. And he was reading in the Alexandria Town Talk, there was an advertisement of a dealership that had a fantastic deal on a new vehicle. Now, all of you know that that is a lot of times a gimmick to get you there. And the one that is advertised, they may have it, but it's usually the stripped-down model. And uh, they're going to use that to upsell you into something else. And that was exactly the tactic when the gentleman went down, had the money, the cash to pay for it, and showed the advertisement of the exact vehicle that he wanted. The salesman said, yes, sir, I do have that one, but before you make a final decision on that, let me show you another vehicle here. Of course, he took him over to the model that had a, a lot more amenities on it than the one that was in the advertisement. And uh, the one that was being advertised didn't have power locks or windows. I, I don't even think it had air conditioning. And how many knows that's important if you live in Louisiana? It didn't have any of those amenities. It didn't have carpet floors. It had vinyl floors. It didn't have leather seats. It just had cloth seats. And he set him down in a brand new vehicle that had all kinds of amenities and all kinds of extra equipment on it. And he said, why don't we take it for a test drive? He said, well, son, he said, I already am settled on the one that I want. I, I know how much I can pay. That's the vehicle that I want. He said, no, no, no. He said, you, you'll like this. He said, let's take it for a drive. And when he went to start the car, there was a female automated voice that came on and said, close the door, please. And he kind of looked around and wondered where the voice came from, reached over and pulled the door to, and then went to put it in gear. And when he did, there was a, a, an automated voice, the same automated voice that came on and said, put on the seat belt, please. And, and two or three more commands came forth, and finally he just shoved it up in park. And he said, I've seen all of this I want to see. He said, I've already got a wife at home. That tells me what to do. I'm not going to buy a vehicle that tells me what to do. He said, son, one thing you must understand, there's some things that are optional in life. What I'm going to tell you, there are things that are optional in life, but faith is not one of them. Faith is not optional equipment. Faith is essential. Faith is what brought you to this point, And faith is what's going to see you through to glory. Faith is what's going to see you through every challenge in the future. Faith is what's going to see you through every attack that the enemy brings against you. So it's important that we guard our faith. It's important that we do our best to be discretionary with our faith. You know, it's so easy to get around negative people and let them talk you out of your faith. And our faith is only as good as the people we run with sometimes. And so it's important that we, we 
go around and fellowship with people that have faith that God is able to do what his word says he's able to do. I don't want to be around the gossip. I don't want to be around somebody that's negative. I don't want to be around somebody's talking down. I don't want to be around somebody that's running down the church, running down the man of God. But give me the fellowship of people that know how to talk about what God is able to do. The miracles that God is establishing in our life. The revival that God is giving us. The blessings of the Lord that is flowing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. We live in a world that is quick to display its doubts, its skepticism. Amen. And its suspicions about things. I've actually heard people make the brag that I believe nothing I hear and only half of what I see. I've heard people make that statement. I've heard people say that. I am told that the eye gate retains 10 times as much as the ear gate. And I'm not disputing that. I'm, I'm not here to argue that point. But God chose in his wisdom another method to get his word to you and I. The Bible tells us in this text that I read to you tonight that he chooses the ear gate. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word. Everybody say the word. The word of God. It didn't say that faith cometh by what I've heard, but it comes by hearing. Amen. That tells me that I gotta stay open to it. I can't live on something that happened 20 years ago. I can't get by on what happened six months ago. Oh, I'm so thankful that I'm in a church tonight that believes in a renewing of the Holy Ghost. Believes in a renewing of the Spirit of God in our lives. That believes in the necessity of coming back and hearing again the Word of God. It didn't say that faith come up by what I feel. It doesn't say that faith cometh by what I've seen, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Amos the prophet said that there was a day that was coming, that there would be a famine, not a famine for food or thirst for water, but a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. If you can hear the word of God. Now, when I say hear the word of God, I'm not just talking about noise. I'm not just talking about being able to detect that words are being spoken. But the Bible talks about mixing our faith with the word of faith. There's something that's got to be engaged in us when the word of God is going forth. That's why we don't just sit there. That's why we respond to the word of God. That's why we stand our feet and clap when the word of God is being preached. That's why we don't just spectate. That's why we don't just come to church and let the preacher do all the work and let our pastor do all the work. But we say amen and we agree and we affirm the word of God because we understand that our faith has to be active with the word of faith that is being preached. Amen. When people hear the preaching of the word of God, I'm going to tell you things can happen. Miracles can take place. There, there's something that is established when the word of God goes forth. And if we can grab a hold of it, 
if we can hook on to what God is doing and the will of God that is going forth through the preaching of the word of God, that can do more for us than hours of therapy, hours of counseling. Oh, yeah. Praise the Lord. You can step into this place and not know what to do and what decision to make and what choice and what direction to go. But you can receive direction when the word of God goes forth. The preacher that knows nothing about your circumstance and knows nothing about the troubles doesn't know what's been going on in your your life and what happened during the day. But the Spirit speaks to him and the Word of God is flowing through him. And there's a flow that happens that comes to you in the current of the Word of God when it touches your life. There's something that happens. You can receive your answer tonight. I believe somebody in this place can know what to do tomorrow as a result of what they receive of the Word of God. Through the preaching of the Word of God tonight, somebody's going to know what direction, what decision, what choice. You may stand at a crossroads right now, but you'll have an assurance and a confidence that God is with me and that God is going to help me. Oh, somebody clap your hands and let's give some praise to the Lord. There's just something about a moving of the Holy Ghost. I found out a long time ago that that supplants talent. That's more important than skill. Oh, that's way more important than a person's education. Their ability to string words together. And they're oratory. That all has its limitations. But there's something about the moving of the Holy Ghost. God can speak to us. God can work in our life. And God can fix things. Come on, I'm not talking about little bitty problems. I'm talking about complex problems. I'm talking about big deals in your life. I'm talking about things that you threw up your hands a long time ago and said, this is beyond me. I can't do this. I don't know which way to turn. God can take care of it tonight. Some years ago, some some preacher friends and I were over on Lake Fork. That is over uh, sort of towards the Dallas area. It's It's a lake. I know you guys have wonderful lakes around here, but uh, Lake Fork is world-renowned for its bass fishing. And uh, we went and hired a guide. And uh, it was our first time to go out with him, and we only had a limited amount of time. And we paid him a handsome amount of money to take us just for a few hours in the evening. It was the only slot that he had. He was a, a very well-known guide on that lake. And I noticed that he was kind of taking his time, and I was growing impatient because I knew we had agreed to pay him. I knew what we had agreed to pay him, and I thought, doesn't he realize we just have a limited amount of time, and he was showing us some of the equipment, and we were kind of trolling out of the, out of the area where we were docked and where we had loaded up, and I thought, if we're going to cross the lake, we're, we're going to waste probably an hour of time doing that, and we only have a couple of hours to fish. And so as we're making our way, and he's got this, I mean, a $100,000 boat, if it costs a penny, rigged out with enough electronics to outfit a radio shack. 
That tells my age because I don't think Radio Shack's around anymore. <laughs> but electronic store. And I mean, he's got graphs, and, and I can't even read all these computers and things. And he's got all this equipment. I'm just taking this all in, but I'm really kind of wanting to get to the fishing grounds. And I say, finally, in my impatience, I said, now, what are we doing here? I said, we're kind of trolling along here. I said, don't, don't we need to get going where we're going? We've already cleared through the, the no-wake zone. Let's, let's get on with it. Let's go where we're going. I, I like all this equipment that you're showing us, but... He said, you know what? He said, we're not going far. He said, I was noticing as we were trolling out. He said, you see those birds over there? He said, they're diving down in the water. He said, they're getting bait fish, and underneath those bait fish are the ones we're looking for. And all I could think about is here we're on a $100,000 boat, got enough electronics to outfit a radio shack, and he's the one that is able to read them, and he has all of this experience. And yet, we're looking for white birds that are diving down into the lake. And none of that, all of this fancy stuff really doesn't matter because Mother Nature is telling him right under those birds is some bait fish, and under those bait fish is the fish, the trophies that we're looking for. I'm going to tell you, sometimes we come to church and we're looking for the flash and the bang and we're looking for everything. We, we got churches that have more uh, electronics and more technology. But at the end of the day, what we're looking for is a move of the Holy Ghost. And there's nothing that can separate. Nothing that can substitute for a move of the Holy Ghost. We need a move of the Holy Ghost here tonight. I'm going to tell you, if he steps in this place, if he moves in this house, it doesn't matter how big your problem is. It doesn't matter what the devil told you. It doesn't matter what you're facing tomorrow. Your financial dilemma is no problem with God. I said it's no problem with God. Somebody believes that. Ought to get out in the aisle and leave for joy a little bit. Somebody that believes that ought to lift up your voice and give a shout of praise right now. Oh yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Let, let me let me show you some things in the scripture. Let me bring you back to an incident that happened just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ in John chapter 20. The Bible says that the Lord had already revealed himself to some of his disciples and they had locked themselves in a room in fear for their lives. And the Bible tells us that Jesus in his glorified state Walk through the door without opening the door. Oh, I could stay right there and preach the rest of my time tonight. It doesn't matter what barriers that sometimes we put up. Sometimes we formulate in our minds. Sometimes we think it's for the good. God is able to walk through any barrier, through any wall whether it's imposed upon us or self-imposed. 
God is able to get to where we are when we have need of him. That's the first thing you need to understand tonight. God is able to get to where you need him to be. There's no wall. There's no opposition. There's no barrier. There's no hindrance that can keep God from touching you if you're hungry for God. But there was one gentleman in that room by the name of Thomas. Thomas, whose name means Didymus. And Didymus means twin. And I don't really read anywhere in the Word of God where Thomas had a twin. I'm not saying that he didn't, but for the sake of this message tonight, perhaps in one sense I'm speaking to someone like Thomas. Maybe there's someone in this room that feels like he did. And he, he made this statement. He said, I... I want to believe what you're saying and the report that you've given me and telling me that he is resurrected, that he's alive, but until I am able to feel the nail prints in his hand, until I'm able to thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And when Jesus made his way into that room, now, now I, want, I want to back up here and just say, we're not talking about just anybody. This was one of the disciples that had seen miracles, that had been a part of so many great and wonderful things in the Lord's ministry and been an eyewitness to it. Yet at this point, he was at a low ebb with his faith. And if there was anybody that he should have believed, he should have believed his fellow disciples after all, He had walked with them and had been close friends with them for the last three and a half years. These men had banded together and a lot of times they had been each other's encouragement, each other's strength and been able to rely upon one another. You think about it, another brother and sister in the church, someone that you know for certain, they have integrity with you, you could count on them. But this was such a big deal in the mind of Thomas to believe that he had actually did what he promised he would do. Such a huge miracle in the mind of Thomas that at this particular time, he wavered, he doubted. And when Jesus came to him, and when Jesus made his way into the room. He didn't greet the others, but immediately called upon Thomas. And he said, Thomas, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And Thomas, when he did this, the Bible says he made that proclamation that really reveals to you and I this message that we love and hold so dear. He said, my Lord and my God. There was a revelation that came to him and an understanding that he's more than just a man susceptible to death. But this is, in fact, God manifest in the flesh. He's exactly who he said he was. 
He's not bound by the same limitations that I'm bound by. He's not restricted by the same things that I'm restricted by. The same laws that humanity has to obey, he doesn't have to obey. Oh, that ought to help somebody tonight to understand that your God steps outside of your limitations and your abilities and can't go beyond your, your hindrances and what you are able to do. I want you to notice what what, Tom, what what Jesus said to Thomas, he said, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they who have not seen, yet they believe. Blessed are they that have just heard, and they receive the word of God. Oh, they didn't have to have it proved to them by what they saw. But when the word of God went forth... They grasp a hold of it. They got their faith engaged with it. Oh, I'm preaching something tonight, a concept that if we can just get a hold of this, you may have never seen it, what you're believing God for. You, you may have only imagined it in your mind's eye. But if the Lord has promised it to you, get your faith engaged with the word of faith. And say, God, I don't have to see it to believe it. I don't have to feel it to know it. I just believe what your word says. And I'm standing on your word. I'm putting faith in your word that it's going to work out. Oh, somebody, let's respond to the Lord right now. We're, we're so quick to, to believe bad news. We're so quick to allow someone's slander or someone's lies or someone's discord or someone's negativism. We're so happy to receive that and so quick sometimes in human nature to receive that. And that's not just something that's indicative of those of us here tonight. That's, that's human nature. That's just the way we as people are. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Gideon that the Lord visited him in a time that had for seven years been a time of oppression. The Midianites had oppressed them. And if you read the book of Judges, it's, a, it's kind of a reciprocal thing that happens over and over again. Uh, it seems like there's ebbs and flows. There's times when they have great moments of victory and then in that victory and the goodness of God and the blessings of God they forget the source and then God has to humble them by allowing some oppressor to come in and then as they cry out in repentance God brings a judge raises him up and he is a deliverer for God's people and that happens over and over again it's a cycle in the book of Judges and Gideon is one of those judges that God used. And at that particular time, every time they would work to plant, to cultivate, and just at the time of harvest, just at the time when it come uh, for them to gather in, put it on the wagon, bring it into the barn, and to rejoice in what, they had worked so hard and diligently to bring, a, bring to pass. 
The Bible tells us that the enemy would swoop down and steal their harvest away. The Bible says that they were taking the increase of the land. And it was very strategic what they were doing. They would take the calf and leave the cow. They would take the colt but leave the mare. They would take the little lamb but they would leave its mother. And so they were destroying the increase. And it wasn't just one year. That would have been devastating. It wasn't just two years. That would have been insufferable. It wasn't just three years. That would have been so discouraging. But they were demoralized that it had happened for seven long years. And it had gotten to the point that Gideon is behind a wine press that has not been in operation for a long time. And he's hiding there from the enemy and is threshing just a little handful of wheat for his family so that they can just make enough bread to get by for another meal, scratch out an existence. What a life. And God speaks to him through an angel and says, Gideon, thy mighty man of valor. And Gideon hears the voice, but he can hardly believe what he's hearing. Because if he feels like anything, it's not a mighty man of valor. Oppressed, yes. Wounded, yes. Disappointed, yes. Doubtful, yes. Having a feeling of darkness and discouragement, yes. But a mighty man of valor, that was the furthest thing from his mind. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't see us in our present state? But he always sees our potential. He always sees what we can be and what we will be if we'll put our faith in him. In fact, there's people in this room that hadn't been too long ago. If anybody had looked at you and appraised your life, they would have said anything but what you are now. But aren't you thankful that God looks at us different than others look at us? And even when you looked in the mirror, you never thought that you could be an apostolic. You could live the life. You could be free. You could be delivered. You could walk with God. You could be successful being a saint of God. But you're here tonight defying, defying what the devil had plans for. Hallelujah. And he said, if, if I am what you say I am, why has all of this befallen us? Why is all of these things happening? Where is the God that worked for our fathers? Where is the God of our patriarchs? Where is the God that gave so much and blessed in so many ways for those that came before us? Have we lived beyond God's ability? Have we lived beyond God's blessings? No. Gideon, I want you to be obedient to me and I want you to believe me. But notice what he did. Even with the Lord speaking to him and revealing things to him. He fleeced the Lord. Not once. Not once. But he fleeced the Lord twice and said, if this will happen, if I put the fleece out and uh, it is wet and the ground's dry or vice versa, then I'll believe. And so it is with you and I. We so readily accept the negative. And we always feel like, well, God, I need you to prove it to me. 
when God's word comes to us, if we could just learn to embrace it, if we could just learn to receive it, if we could just learn to open up our hearts, if we could just learn to say, hey, that's for me. We don't have problems sometimes believing it's for somebody else. But if you can learn, hey, God's speaking to me if he's speaking to anybody. Matter of fact, let me just share something with you. If God is speaking to this church, if you're connected to this church, he's speaking it to you. In fact, this is how strongly I believe that. I, I believe when, when the word of God goes forth and, and things are spoken into the life of a church, there may have been a reason why you couldn't have been here for a particular service, sickness or, or maybe a work schedule or something of that nature. But if you're truly connected to the church as you should be, you're going to receive that. You're going to get that. How does that happen? I can't explain it all, but I'm just telling you, I've seen it over and over again. I've seen people, for whatever reason, they couldn't be in that particular service, but because of that strong connection that they had with the body, that strong connection that they had with the church, when the word of God went forth, when it, when it went forth, it didn't, it didn't just affect those that were there. It affected everybody it was connected to. I'm going to take it a step further. When the word of God goes forth and it's, and it's preached and it's anointed, amen, it affects people, amen, that are outside these doors that haven't made their way here yet, but they become a part of that promise. Come on, we're speaking to their future. Maybe they've not even been born in this congregation. They haven't been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost just yet. But we're speaking to them because when we receive the word, it affects them. It touches their life. It influences their future. Oh, somebody lift up your hands to the Lord. Somebody give praise to him right now. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm just going to go a step further with what I feel right now. My, my grandfather now, I think would have been about 45 years ago. He, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was raised by an apostolic preacher. And just as a young man, backslid, went out into the world, became a musician, played in the honky-tonks of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and lived in the bar scene, and lived a hideous life of sin. And years went by. His father passed away when my mother was only nine years old. She vaguely remembers attending church there a few times. And his mother continued to pray, continued to hold prayer meetings in her home, continued to be faithful to the house of God and believe that her son would return to the Lord. Now his children had grown and, and they had carved out their own life in the world and they were living a life of drugs and alcohol and their families were a total wreck. 
And my grandfather played the bars by night and drove a cab by day. What a life. And God began to deal with him and convict him. And he got his Bible out and dusted it off. He found it wherever it was stored and he began to carry it with him. And in between, in between his taxing, he picked up that Bible and began to read. He told me one time that while he was in a hospital stay and the days that he was there, I think it was 10 days he was in the hospital. And in that 10 days, he virtually read the Bible through. God was dealing with him. He, he, every waking moment, he was in the Word of God. And so he called his mother. God was dealing with him. He said, Mama, God's dealing with me. God is troubling my heart. i got to find my way back to God. It's been so many years, I don't even know where to start. But is there a church that preached what Papa preached that I can go to over here where I live? And she explained to him that there was a church out on North Lewis in Tulsa. She said, if you'll go over there, he preaches exactly what your daddy preached. And so he went to that church. God began to stir his heart. He came to the altar, repented of his sins, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he was baptized in Jesus' name. He went and got a hold of his oldest son and started bringing him to church. And he started talking to his wife. And, and then he started talking about grandmother about coming to church. She had never known anything about church, never been raised in church. And her family had never been to any kind of church. And before it was said and done, because one man, because of one individual that embraced the word of God, 26 family members Four of them ended up being preachers. Three of them ended up being pastors. Came in in just a few months. You talk about a revival. You talk about a move of God. Because one person said, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to get a hold of it. I come to ask you tonight, Hot Spring, whose report are you going to believe? Who's going to embrace the word of God and the promise of God? Come on, you got promises. You got things that God has spoken to you. You got things you've been praying about. There's things that you've been asking God for. God, I want to remind you, is going to bring them to pass. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You just got to keep standing on the word of God. I remember hearing a story about Priscilla Magruder who uh, experienced a very uh, tragic diagnosis of cancer. And during one of the weakest moments of her treatment, this lady, her husband found her in a room and she had her Bible on the floor. And she was standing on top of it and she had her hands lifted up and she was worshiping the Lord. And his reaction was, as finally the treatment's gotten to her. She's lost her mind. She's gone crazy. Something's wrong. She said, I know it may seem unusual to you, but I just thought if I could stand on the word of God, even if I had to be literal about it, even if I had to show God in this simple way how serious I was about it, I just believe God can touch me because his word says what he's able to do. I want to preach to somebody. Keep on standing on the word of God. No matter how you 
what the devil's whispering in the ear, no matter what others may say. Come on, would you stand with me right now all across this place? Let's worship the Lord together. Let's give praise to the Lord. I started evangelizing when I was 19 years old. My wife and I, I was married at the time. Already married at the time is what I meant by that. Still married, the same woman. Thank God for that. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying that's just the way it was. And God called us into evangelism, and we'd preached a few years out and around in different places, out from our home church in California. And... Uh, I'll never forget, you know, the Bible says a prophet's without honor except in his own country. Or is without, with honor except in his own country. And so I'd never preached a revival. Of course, I've preached many times in the home church. And uh, I remember there was a man during a season of prayer and fasting in that church that went to the pastor, a very respected man for his walk with God, and said, I know you've been reluctant. Because he's your nephew, but I just feel like when you feel it, that God has placed it on my heart to tell you that it'd be okay. And I know that's unusual, but that's just the way it worked. God used that man to speak to my pastor and uncle at the time. And he invited me to come preach revival there. And of course, Knowing the home church and some of its needs, there was no place that I wanted to see revival anymore than among some of the people that I loved the dearest. And I knew some of the peculiar needs of that congregation. There was one lady in that church. Her name was Sister Nelson. Sister Nelson, almost like clockwork. This was back when we used to take up prayer requests and have people raise their hands and announce prayer request and you could discount on it. She was faithful. She was there every service and she would always lift her hand and she would say, pray for my husband Emmett. He needs God. That might have not meant anything to somebody that didn't know the situation but she had began coming to that church received the Holy Ghost in that church 40 or 50 years before when her children were young teenagers. She had two sons. And she came to the church, got the Holy Ghost as they did, and started walking with God, living for the Lord. And her husband fought her every step of the way. He resisted her. He resisted her attending church. When she would come in, he would mock her, make fun of her, and many times in his drunkenness, he would threaten her and even at times become physical, push her around and tell her she couldn't go back. 
But when Sunday rolled around, she'd get dressed. She'd make her way to the house of God, and she'd lift that hand, now feeble, and say, pray for Emmett that God would get a hold of him. And it looked as if it was getting worse instead of better. Looked as if he was becoming more vehement against the church, more resistant to the gospel. Years passed. One of those sons grew up, began his own ministry, pastored a few miles away, and then later transitioned over into the Bay Area of San San Jose, California, and pastored for many years. I was privileged to preach there as an evangelist. A very large church. It's still a very large church today in the Bay Area of California. And that man, that father, never once darkened the doors of his son's church. Though his son was very successful and God had blessed him and he had seen mighty revival, his son never attended. Mocked their way of life. Mocked the God that they served. But that didn't stop Sister Nelson. She still came to church and still raised that hand and said, pray for Emmett. When I came to preach that revival, just a wet behind the ears, 22, 23-year-old preacher, but full of faith. And I've always, I've always loved young preachers who are not jaded. They haven't lived through disappointments with people. They haven't learned how to size things up by what they see. They just have that raw faith and tenaciousness, and they'll palm anything and pray for anything and believe for anything. And that's just the kind of person I was in those times, and I hope that I still am. And uh, I'll never forget preaching that revival. I watched the back door come open. Sister Emmett, or Sister Nelson came in, and Emmett was right behind her, and now he was stooped and on a cane. And I watched him as he came in, and people were aghast at what they saw. They they'd never expected him at church. And I remember preaching it. And I watched as God began to deal with him as he sat between those pews. When the altar invitation was given, he got up very slowly. He got his cane, began to make his way down the aisle. And to the excitement of Sister Nelson in that church, he fell down in the altar and began to repent, sob, shaking under conviction. This man that had mocked, this man that said, I'll never come, I'll never serve your God, I'll never be one of those holy rollers. God got a hold of him and stirred him and moved him. And after he prayed and repented and spent some time there in the altar, he got up and he said, I know you think I'm stopping here, but he said, you know what? He said, my wife has told me for years that I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They said, well, do you want to, want to come back? Do you want to come back tomorrow night? Do you want to come back another service? Do you want to plan this? He said, no. He said, when you get my age, you don't know if you got tomorrow. He said, if it'd be okay with you, I'll get baptized tonight. They brought him to the water. He was baptized in Jesus' name. And when he come up out of the water, he began to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. Somebody said, what about it, Sister Nelson? Did you ever feel like giving up? Yeah, but I never did. I kept on praying. I kept on trusting. I kept holding on. I didn't go by what I felt. I didn't go by what I saw. I didn't go by what I heard somebody else say. I went by the word of God. I stood on the word of God. 
I just wonder tonight, is there somebody in this house during this 52 days? You're believing, you're believing God for a miracle for someone. Come on, I believe that everybody in this place that believes God through your faith, through your prayers, could have believed for just one more soul. Amen. I want you to get out where you are and come as close to this front as you possibly can. And I want you to throw your hands in the air and say, God, I'm standing in faith for that. So I want you to focus on one right now. I want you to focus and I want you to call their name. I want you to reach out to God right now and believe that God is able through your faith. God's going to honor your belief, your prayer. Come on, step out where you are in faith. Say, God's going to get a hold of my family member. God's going to get a hold of that co-worker. God's going to get a hold of that person that I envision him saving. Come on, don't waver. Don't doubt. Lift up your hand to the Lord. Let's believe God for it right now. Come on, somebody cry out. Somebody lift up your voice. Before this 52 days is over, we're going to see them come in. I want you to come to this church every day believing, hey, this could be the time. This service could be the service. Come on. Cry out to the Lord. Vocalize it. Vocalize it. Put in words. Ask God for it. Be bold enough to claim it. Come on, what are you going to believe? You're going to believe what you see? You're going to believe in the responses that you've received so far? You're going to go on the path? Are you going to trust the Word of God that something's going to break? Something's going to be different after these 52 days. Come on, I see lost parents coming. I see lost husbands coming. I see lost children coming back. I want you to see them in your mind's eyes. You're praying. I want you to see them fall into this altar, yielding to God, surrendering to the Spirit. Come on, get a picture of it in your mind. Lock in on it. Come on, it's here. It's here. Somebody needs to get a hold of it with your faith. Oh, come on. Come on, how we respond tonight. What we do with what we hear tonight. Somebody's future's hanging on it. Somebody's soul. Somebody's salvation. It's contingent on what I do and my response and my faith to the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I'll tell you what I want us to do now. I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want you to join with somebody. Connect with somebody. The Bible said with two or three. Come on, join up with somebody. With two or three. Touch any one thing. It shall be done. Bind together with somebody. Join together. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, that's it. Come on, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. God's reaching. Reaching across the city. Reaching into somebody's house right now. Reaching on somebody's job right now. God set things up, set things in order, orchestrating things. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, it's here. It's available. Come on, get a hold of that promise. Embrace that promise. I want to speak to us just for a moment about something, and we're going to transition to something else here in just just a minute. I'm not killing anything. I believe that we're going to take this thing up just a notch here in just a minute. But this is what I feel. Sometimes by what we see and the response and the reaction that we see in people, we allow that to diminish our faith. When sometimes when people are the most resistant, and they're acting out the most, and they're acting as though they are fighting this and resisting this like they never have before. Can I tell you, sometimes that's when they're the most miserable and God is dealing with them, and they're right on the preface, and that's not a time for us to back off, and that's not a time for us to lose heart. That's not a time for us to quit praying about it or to accept it and say, well, maybe they don't want it. That's the time for us to push the accelerator down when it comes to our intensity of prayer and realize God is working. Don't you respond in anger. Don't you try to fight fire with fire. Don't you try to respond to somebody and try to react in the way that they're reacting to you. You just have faith that God is working and doing something you can't see. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God's word says. 
doesn't matter how they react. It matters what God is doing right now. So I tell you what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna ramp this thing up just a little bit if that's okay. If you just follow me a little bit, maybe just get a little bit more radical with it. I wonder if there's somebody that will have enough faith right now. We prayed about it. You've been praying about it. We're going to pray about it some more. We're not going to stop. But right now, we're going to take a little time to pause and to praise God for what I believe that he's going to do. Come on. Does anybody have enough faith to praise him in advance? Does anybody have enough faith to shout about it before it happens? I want to ask you something. What would you do if God filled your husband with the Holy Ghost? How would you respond if God got a hold of your backslidden child? How would you respond if God gave you the miracle when it comes to your family that you've been praying for? Then I want to ask you a second question. Why are you waiting right now? I want you to respond. I want you to worship God. I want you to praise him in faith. I want you to give him a shout of praise with all your heart. If you would dance, if you would shout, if you would rejoice, if you lift up your voice. Why not do it now before it happens? I got enough faith. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Somebody ought to leap for joy. Somebody ought to lift their voice. Somebody ought to clap. Somebody ought to shout into God. Come on, is that all you got? Amen. If God saves your loved one, if God fills your loved one with the Holy Ghost, 